Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 98. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with Minerva. Um, it's a great dude. Uh, stage name, obviously. We talk a little bit about that. Um, but yeah, it was a great time talking to him. We talked about his new project, Quarter Life Pro- Crisis, um, as well as some kind of industry tips, I guess, you know, like how to persevere and how to continue to push forward and things like that. Um, he touched on his sobriety a little bit um, and just kind of where he has come from and, you know, where he intends to go with his musical career. And I think it was a, a lot of fun because he and I had a lot in common. Um, we like similar movies. He was getting ready to go see the Eternals. Um, so, you know, appreciate him taking the time to do the interview, uh, knowing that he wanted to go catch a movie as well. So, um, huge shout out to him, but, Basically, uh, we're just going to dive right into it. Uh, I did have a little bit of connection issues throughout the evening. Um, I am still working on that pretty diligently. Um, and it does seem to be getting slightly better uh, as the time goes by. So hopefully in future episodes, this won't be a problem at all. But uh, for now, you know, bear with me. But it's a great conversation. Uh, most of it has been corrected so that you don't have to deal with too much of the uh, internet interruptions. But this is my conversation with Minerva. Um, so to start things off, I do start with the same boring ass question every time. That's the simple introduction. Who are you? Kind of a little background on your project and why are we here? Yeah, of course. Uh so, hey guys, my name is Matt Wagner. Uh, my artist's name is Minerva. Yeah, I'm an alternative uh, artist from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, based awesome. in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm from D.C., but you know, yeah. neither here nor there. Uh, but right. yes, I semantics. Re- <laughs> exactly. I just released uh, my debut EP about two weeks ago. It's called Talk Too Much. It's a little uh, six-song project. And yeah, just uh, been on the PR grind. And it's been super fun getting to see everyone's reaction to it. Because like this project's been kind of a culmination of like five years of creativity. So it feels insane having it out now on real quick my connection is acting up i'm going to switch networks real quick so i may drop out and i'll be right back so no worries all right i think i'm back up and running um so uh yep i think we're good so um yeah let's talk a little bit obviously the the new eps why i got hooked up with you and and kind of the basis of what we want to talk about um you know, you said it, it's been about five years in the process. I don't think a lot of people really understand, you know, especially when they think about, oh, it's just an EP. Like, how could it take five years to make? There's so much that goes into it. And like being kind of a solo project as well, like the drive that you have that this has to be quote unquote perfect for what I'm trying to, you know, get across Talk a little bit about what goes into that mentality when you're creating an art that, you know, has to stand on its own. 
Yeah, totally. So I feel like so much of the five-year process was, uh, the, the reason I say it was a five-year process is the oldest song on the project, like, I literally started in like March of 2016. So it's like, you know, we're going up on like six years of that song, even like existing. And it sounds right. like entirely different, like now than it did, like, you know, when I first wrote it, but like, you know, yeah. the, the interview began in 2016 and finally came out in 2021 but uh really i think a huge part of the process is just like getting the belief in yourself and really like rnding like who do i want to be as an artist what do i want to say like just who am i and like that process takes a lot of time like some people like know it right at the gate they like you know start releasing in six months and they're like hey i got this and kind of figure it out throughout the process and i i took a much more methodical like all right i really want to like plan this out because like I remember when I first started deciding I wanted to be an artist, like rock music really was still in a very dormant dead phase. And uh, it's really cool because I started out as a hip hop artist because of that. And over the last like three years, I've really watched like rock make this grand resurgence. And with that, I'm like, wow, now I can finally make the record I've always wanted to make. And that is talk too much, you know, with the hip hop influence, with the rock influence, with the electronic influence, all like meshed into one. Yeah. I was just talking to an artist about how like genre labels are kind of bullshit nowadays because like oh, I love it. nobody fits in one one specific box anymore, right? Like like you said, you're you're a hip hop artist to some extent, but you're also this alternative artist and this rock artist and everything all in one melding pot. And I think it it goes to show where music's at now. It's such a strong. Um, you know, strong community that can accept all these different genres as one art. Well, I feel like especially because everyone and their mother is releasing a new song every day. It's like anything you can do to like stand out is so important. And like, I feel like genre confines, just audiences have gotten really bored with. I, I know I have, like when I hear like just a straight rock and roll song now, I'm kind of like, okay, like this is cool, but like we have 50 years of this of guitar, bass, and drums. Like, yeah. what else can we, like, you know, add to the canon? And how can we make our mark on history now? Which is why I love bands like, you know, Linkin Park or Papa Roach or, like, new, new guys like Jarris Johnson now who are, like, trying to put together all these disparate elements into, like, you know, something that, like, you know, will hopefully be remembered here, like, you know, five years from now. Hello? There we go. There we go. I'm back. Sorry. You're good. Um, so, yeah, no. Um, you know, I think to the point that you're making there, you know, the authenticity is still there. And I think that's what you're driving at, too, is that, you know, yeah, some people may know you as like a hip hop artist or, you know, maybe know you as something different than what they see on the surface. Um, but there's so much more depth to it and there's authenticity with it. And I think that's the key factor in becoming successful nowadays and creating art that that will stand and last is putting your your heart and soul into it like you've done with this new ep like these are very personal songs and you've opened up quite a bit to do this yeah this this record was definitely me learning that i needed to go to therapy which i i am now <laughs> the best thing in my life but like uh yeah this this album was very much a like wow I didn't realize that I felt this way at all. Cause I, I growing up, I was always like the strong friend, you know what I mean? Like everyone right. else's life was crumbling around me and I was the one trying to hold the pieces together. Yeah. And like 
you got to watch out for those people too. Cause usually the reason they're good at putting pieces together is because they've been doing it in themselves for their whole lives. Yeah. And like, yeah, you can I, um, a lot. yeah, I, I talk a lot about, so I've got a second podcast called musicians for mental health. Oh yeah. And on that, I talk about like the Robin Williams mask is what I've been calling it is, yeah. you know, the strong friend, the funny friend, the one that's always trying to make other people laugh and, and things like that and build others up is usually the person that is hurting the most on the inside themselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I just recently saw that uh, some YouTube test footage for like a Robin Williams, like a biography. And I think that like mm -hmm. was the perfect summary of like, you know, just how that feels and looks, you know, from like an inside yeah. perspective. And I don't know if you've seen it. It was brilliant. Like I haven't was, yet, but I'm going to check it out right after we're done. <laughs> uh, the, the guy who uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was like fan made or something like that. But the guy who was acting as Robin, first off, looked identical to him. But second off, like, I mean, he just captured the like, just just keep laughing, just keep laughing, like mentality. And right. it, it, it's like, again, admitting to yourself that like, hey, it's time to time to get help, especially as a guy in this society right. is very difficult. And so like I. I know my people always ask me like, why do you do this? And I'm like, Hey, if I can give a voice to people who don't know what the fuck they like, you know, are feeling inside and don't know how to say it, then like, that's, yeah. that's the goal. Like whether it's like teenagers, 20 somethings, like, you know, people in the next phase of life, it's like, that's, there's so much uncertainty and just like, you know, angst and chaos in this society that we've created at this point. And there's a lot of beauty in it too, but like, I think everyone needs a helping hand on the way because there is no instruction manual for life. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I don't want to make it specifically about men, but November is Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, and like when you look at the stats, to your point, like very often it is men that are not seeking help, but they are more often the ones committing suicide or, you know, going through these major mental health battles. Um which I think is is what's empowering about your album is you know there's there's artists that are really starting to to be in that arena and talk about things and be open and and whatnot. But like your your EP here, it's it pulls back that curtain some. You know, like yeah, there's still the little bit of veil of lyrics and metaphors and whatever, but it's very transparent at the same time that you know here's some stuff I was struggling with that's okay because i'm moving on past it and this is how i'm doing it yeah like uh it's really interesting for me now having released this record because i just turned 25 like last week and uh, uh the lead single off the uh, album is called quarter life crisis and it was so interesting finally getting to that thing i was so afraid of because right. I, I probably wrote that song ah uh, god i was probably like 21 when i started writing it or something like that and so like First off, it sounds so different than I ever expected. And my producer <laughs> is a wizard and incredible. But second off, it was like, wow, like I was so afraid of this arbitrary deadline and like this date. And it's like, now that I'm here, I feel like I'm just getting started. And like, this is only the beginning. And age really is this number. It really pisses me off that like society and ourselves put so much pressure on yeah. it like the more you let go, just the happier you're going to be in life is kind of what I'm learning as I get older. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like to your point, you know, when you turn 18, you're a man and, or yeah. you're an adult and, you know, you go out and do adult things and get into college. And then when you graduate college, you'll be 24, 25, and this is what you do next. And it's like, okay, but 
that that timeline, especially nowadays, doesn't work for everyone. It's not meant to work for everyone. Yep. And I think, you know, the prime examples, obviously, we're not there, but like Elon Musk started Tesla when he was like in his 40s, you know, like the guy didn't become successful until later in life. And like to put these time constraints on yourself, like you're saying, like, okay, by 25, I need to, I need to be married. I need to have my career figured out. I need to do this. Like, why? What's, what's the rush? Why are we forcing ourselves into it? Yeah. And I think as long as like everyone is just on the same page, like you can live whatever life you want. Like I know my girlfriend and I always talk about like, like people are like, Oh my God, like, you know, uh, when are you going to get married? We're like, (laughs) 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 Ah, that's cute. Like, cause again, it's just, as long as you're on the same page and are able to like, you know, (laughs) grow together and reach the same the spots at the same time like that that that's all that's necessary for life and I'm like I feel so far away from 30 even though I'm now closer to 30 than 20 at this point right and and it's like again I have so much I want to do in my career and everything else and I'm actually so excited because my next record's actually almost done even though I just put out talk too much and like it's really cool getting to look at this next album now getting to look back on talk too much and it's a lot happier and there's a lot more like good stuff to say. There's still all the mental health focus. Cause that's a really important thing to me as an artist. Right. Like um, speaking of suicide, like I had a very good friend uh, commit suicide like two years ago and I definitely wrote a tribute song to him on this next record. And it's yeah. like that, that's something that's so important to the ethos of Minerva, but it's like, wow, like there's positivity on this. It's like, I, I, I ask, will it get better than this on this record? And I can now say it does. Right. And that's a really powerful thing to be able to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a key too, right? Like asking yourself those questions, but being able to take your yourself kind of out of yourself in a sense and look at your accomplishments and go, you know what, maybe I'm not as successful as Kim Kardashian or whoever, but look at all the shit I have done, you know, like it, for me, even like thinking about the people that I went to high with and stuff, you know, I know initially I compared myself to a lot of them because they were getting out of college and starting their careers and getting married and all that. And that's just not the way my life was panning out. And I'm looking back at it now. I'm like, but that's not how I wanted my life to pan out. Like, I'm glad that I didn't do a lot of that stuff. Like, would I have been happy? Would I have, you know, been divorced? What would have happened? Who knows? But now looking that I'm here on, you know, with this podcast today, as we talk is the two year anniversary of this one. Hey, Um, yeah. And I just started the musicians for mental health a couple months ago. Like, yeah, I don't know if I'd be doing that if things would have worked out differently back then. And, you know, to your point with the album, like to see that growth in your music as well, like, is it ever going to get better than this? And then you have this new album and you can go, yes, definitively it gets better. Yeah. And I'm excited too. Cause like, Oh God, I think the music's so much better. Like I I'm so proud of talking too much, but I'm like, Oh God, I cannot wait to get down the line. But hey, <laughs> I, I, I'm promoting talk too much right now. And I'm again, that yeah. it has been so cool watching, uh, watching these songs come to life. Cause at, like, uh, a, a thing that I, I always say during, uh, during my live shows, uh, I always just improv a speech right before my last song, the interview. And, uh, yeah. A question I really hate is like, where do you see yourself in five years? And like interviewers loved asking that, like, you know, uh, 
just parents love asking that. And it's because yeah. we've been bred in that this generational divide in this society. Yeah. And I've said society way too many times. Please, please ignore me. Okay. But <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm Joker. We live in a society. Uh, and yeah, so basically, I remember during the last show, I didn't mean to say this, but I basically said, and if someone asks you where do you see yourself in five years, say fuck you and tell them to listen to the song. Because that's really where I feel at this point. It's like, you don't know where you're going to be if you live in the moment and you don't obsess over the past. That's how you're going to be happy. Because all I've ever wanted to be is happy. And I never really knew the secret to it. I'm still figuring it out. But it's like through music and Minerva and all this different forms of expression, I can really say it's like letting go and being able to just being able to see how far you've come, I think, is a really big part of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. It's about you know, maintaining a, a perspective on, on your life, because like, to your point, okay, where do you see yourself in five years? Even if you have, you could lay out the absolute best roadmap to, I'm going to do this on this year. This is going to happen in this year. This is what, you know, I'm going to go to this college, whatever, but shit happens. Life happens. Things yeah. are going to derail you, knock you off course. Like, so I'm not saying don't make those plans. Cause obviously you need to have goals and and dreams and ambitions but at the same time if if you know i think of the movie uh have you ever seen the movie accepted with i'm uh, not jonah no. hill? okay so it's got jonah hill and justin long in it and they end up okay. creating this fake fake college but one of the girls her whole life has been like trying to get into yale like made straight a's did all this stuff applies to yale doesn't get in and that's mm -hmm. the only school she applied to and it's like, you know, sometimes life just happens. You're not meant to do certain things. Um, and I think to your point, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, I would like to do this, but as long as I'm happy and enjoying life, I don't care. And I think you have to open yourself up to those experiences. Like uh, um, my, my girlfriend's about to like finish college, for example. And I, I know she always gets down on herself like, oh, I didn't do what I wanted to do in college. I'm like, yeah, but look at everything else you did. Like, that's awesome. Like, yeah, no, did you do what you said you were going to do? Not whatsoever. But who cares? Like, you've made something incredible. And that's awesome. Like, I know for me, like, when I came down to, when I moved to Nashville in 2015, I wanted to be a music producer. I want to be like a studio drummer. And I'm doing none of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's okay. And I, 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 hell, I wrote a musical instead. And I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Right. But like, you know, for me, when I, I graduated high school and I was like, cool, I'm going to get a degree in computers. Yeah. I have my degree in computer applications and programming. I'm 36 years old. I have not used that degree since the day I graduated. There it is. Like, cool. I have this piece of paper that says I can do this stuff and I can. But I found out that that wasn't really what I wanted to do, you know, like when I got out of, of college. And I think, you know, too, like for your girlfriend, for example, or anyone listening to this that maybe gets down on themselves for these things, like, cool, but you went to college. There are millions of people in this this nation alone that don't ever go to college. You know, like you're you're still progressing your life in the way that you want to progress it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Like, I think, you know, I'm going to start using society, too. I think the society that uh, I'm rubbing off on you, man. Yeah, <laughs> the society that we've grown up in, though, like like you said, there's such a generational thing with it, and you know, back in the day, you go to college, you get a good job, you do this, whatever, and it, it laid out this roadmap. 
Yeah. And now, you know, we know like, okay, that roadmap works for some people, but you can speak to this, especially in the music industry. The way that you used to make it in, in music versus now is a night and day difference. Oh my God. It's, no it's comparison. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. The, the, the digital age is both a blessing and a curse when it comes to musicians. Yeah. And I know you can attest to that. Like, cool. Everything I release can be digital and online and at the snap of a finger, but now I have to keep up on it. And now people expect more because it is so readily accessible. A good friend of mine, we, uh, we always talk about like everything helps in the digital age. And because everything helps, you don't know what to do next. It's like, all right, cool. I could spend the day making TikToks all day. I could spend the day like, you know, doing like submit hub stuff. I could spend like in playlisting my song. I could spend the day like trying to put together my like a live show. I, it's like, and they're all good and necessary and get move you further along, but it's not like one is better than the other necessarily. Like some have more opportunities than others, but like they're all part of the pie. So what do you do? And then you end up doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's because you don't know where to focus your time, right? Yeah. Like, okay. These TikToks maybe get me a boost. And you know, if I get that boost, I need to have my live show ready. So I should probably go work on that. But it, yeah, but in order to do that, I need to go make Instagram posts telling people that I'm going to have a live show. Like, where do I slow down and say, okay, this is the order that this works in? Or how do I balance this? And I think that's a struggle for everyone is finding that balance. Yeah, And I feel like so many artists get burnt out too, because like their life becomes in their phone. And I, I really tr- like, I, I've had a video blow up on TikTok a couple, like about a month and a half ago or so. And like, uh, it's been interesting because like I have a lot of fans now for, uh, I make mashups, like TikTok mashups. Like it's been a very, very fun little uh, little side hustle for me. But right. I, I got off the app for like one week and I literally had like some kids being like, are you okay? Like, where are you? Like, like they were legitimately like, concerned. And I was like, dude, I just had to get off my phone. Right. <laughs> like, I'll, yeah, I'll be back, I, I swear. And I'm like, God, this, this is a full-time job. Yeah. And I, I don't think a lot of people understand that is, you know, even if you take TikTok out of the equation, being a musician is a full-time job, even when it's not your full-time job. Yeah. It's a full-time job that doesn't pay until right. it pays. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's great. And I, I'm finally getting to that critical junction where it's starting to pay. And I'm like, oh, thank God. But it's also like, all right, well, I, I love, I love my day job. I'm very lucky to say that, but it's like, Hey, like, when I'm working 40 hours a week on that and 40 hours a week on music, it's like, so, so when do I sleep? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I actually just did this thing um, that a friend of mine told me about. It's called 168 planning. So in a mm-hmm. week, there's 168 hours and you map out what that looks like for you. Oh, interesting. And I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way as you. Like I've got a, a full-time job and then I do this podcast yeah. my musicians for mental health podcast, the website stuff, album reviews. And I started looking at it and I'm like, huh, I'm putting, you know, 40 to 45 hours, whatever it is into my music journalism, yeah. three hours into work. I've got about six hours on the weekend that I can hang out guys. Let's figure it out. You know, like yeah. you, you start having to, to balance that. And that goes back to your mental health thing too. Like you have to take these breaks so that you can kind of reset your mental health. And then you also get into the, like, oh, I'm not doing enough when you do take that time. And like, like I'll be the yeah. first one to say, like, I, I learned a long time ago, like, 
burnout is worse than feeling like you don't do enough. So I'd much rather be on that side of things than on the right. burnout side of things. And like, definitely there are some parts of my career that have been a lot slower because of that. But I'm like, I will take that over puking my guts out because my body shuts down, like, you know, for a week. Right. <laughs> right. Which I've done before. And I'm like, that's just not worth it. And like, and sometimes you even wonder, it's like, why am I, what am I even working on? Like, what am I working towards? Like, I, I feel like through so much of college for me, like I was always busy. I was always working, but I was like, I felt like a lot of the work was inconsequential. I feel like now, even if I'm working on music less, it's like, okay, I feel like everything I do now has a purpose towards something. Right. Which right. feels I, so validating. Yeah, I, I was going to say, and I think it, I don't know your previous music, obviously, but the authenticity, you know, when I'm, when you're writing songs that are personal about mental health, about these, these accomplishments throughout your life, things like that, like it, it's validating in the sense of more accomplishment, you know, it, it feeds that accomplishment, uh, hunger that you get. And when you can put that project together, like talk too much and go, look at this thing that I made and it took me a long time to make, but I made it, you know, I, yeah. I can at least say that cause there are so many people sitting in their basements or garages or wherever going, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could make a six song EP. Yeah. And it's so easy to take for granted what you have, especially in music. Like uh, I, I'm putting a choir on like the finale of like my next record and I, I take my vocal range. So for granted, for example, it's like, um, I'm like, wait, wait, you can't hit that note. And I'm like, stop like i've worked very hard on this that makes sense and i don't mean to sound arrogant at all when i say that it, it's like or, or or just the fact that it's like oh hey like all the time and effort i've put just into my craft it's like it show, it's starting to show and it's like look like don't take that for granted not everyone has that you worked for that celebrate that you have that yeah it it's um it's imposter syndrome to some extent right like, yeah yeah you know, like, look at this cool thing I can do that not everyone else can do. So then you start going, well, hold on. Like, I have to put that into perspective and go, I've worked really hard to get to this point. It's not that I don't deserve recognition or, or success or whatever. It's that I've worked really hard to get there. Not everybody saw me. And I think with you, you can attest to this, the late nights that you spent writing lyrics or songs you know sitting up at 4 a.m trying to figure out a melody like yeah. that shit goes so unseen people are like oh it just you know they put together this awesome record there was a, a bunch of sleepless nights that went into that record i guarantee it yeah and, and like the life experience needed to write the songs too it's like, like i uh, uh yeah yeah i look at like uh there's this one song I cut from talk too much and I, I love the song. It just, it, it, it didn't end up fitting. And like, you know, I'll probably yeah. release it down the line, but I just remember writing, writing that and like, God, I was, I've never been more depressed in my life when I wrote that. So it's called closet. And it's about, uh, it's about people always wonder from closet press. And I, I was like, uh, I, I just remember being writing the whole thing in like a morning. Like I woke up like just sad as fuck and like being like, wow, I hate, my life and everything about me and I want to die. And it's like, you know, that really was such a sobering thing. And I had to like, you have to get to that point before you can write that song. It's not just like, oh, I sat down and wrote a song. You know what I mean? Right. 
Right. And, and I think that goes, I don't want to say unnoticed or unappreciated because there are definitely people that, that do understand it and appreciate it. But I think the quote unquote casual listener just, oh, they just wrote this song about this really dark thing or whatever. It's probably fine. Yeah. It, it probably is fine now, but the moments that you were in to get that song, maybe it wasn't okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I think you look at like, uh, I remember a, a huge pet peeve of mine that I can't stand is um, when uh, Chester Bangton from Lincoln Park died uh, in like 2017. I remember how many people were just like, like, oh my God, I was the biggest fan. Meanwhile, like six months later, they're roasting like the band for like being like cringy as fuck and like, you know, these sellouts and all these other things, right? And it's like, if you listen to the man's lyrics and everything else, it's like, yeah, no shit. You guys are surprised he was hurting? Like, listen to his fucking songs. So it's funny you bring that one up. It's not funny because obviously it was a tragedy, but- Yeah, well, I, I've never it, cried it, more in my life. Yeah, it, it it's- funny that you bring it up in the sense of I've actually made that exact same uh, correlation and, and subject matter that like looking back now, like obviously I was a huge Linkin Park fan, even today, like I still love Mike Shinoda and all them, like oh yeah, great, great, you know, musicians and talents, but like looking at that last album now, it's a suicide note. You know, like yeah. when you really look at it, like the song titles, the song content, it's like was dying inside and like truly just battling everything he had. It, I, I don't condone what he did, but I it almost puts it in perspective that you can understand why he did what he did. I mean, the first so song in the record is literally called like Nobody Can Save Me. And it's like, I mean, yeah. it's really hard to get through and especially after seeing like the fan the fan and the critic response i mean people were like i mean it was cruel it was it wasn't just like you know the typical like oh they made a bad record i mean it, it got personal really fast yeah and i think that's yeah. why like media outlets have like a responsibility to the thing they're critiquing as well right yeah totally agree with that and i think you know the two points i want to make on that too are you know a lot of times especially when it's a ce celebrity quote unquote um you know people go with the man they had everything you know why would they do that like he he was a rock star he was living his dream blah 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 and it's like okay but he's still a person yeah he still has human emotion what what do you mean and i think you know obviously like one more light was a an incredibly heavy song but the yeah. song heavy there's the line in there that um i didn't mean to let my mind get so fucking messy when did yeah. everything get so heavy and it's like shit you know like i can relate to that you you know having mental health battles in your life too like this is something like that we think about and go man you know especially in a depressive episode or when your anxiety kicks in or or amps up like i didn't mean for this to happen how did yeah. i get here like how do i fix this and going back to an earlier point you said about the, uh, like, he had everything kind of mentality. Uh, I'm a huge 21 Pilots fan. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I could go very deep into uh, my relationship <laughs> with that band, but we, we, we don't need to do that just now. But but I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But uh, yes. <laughs> we'll get there. But uh, but I, they have a song called, like, Neon Gravestones and, like, you know, I'll, I'll mourn for a kid but won't cry for a king kind of thing. And, like, that's, yeah. it really is sad how, like, 
that's the mentality. And uh, I know uh, uh, another one of my favorite artists, NF, like I, I love just everything that he writes about. Cause again, it's so real. I mean, his slogan is yeah. literally real music. And he has like right. this one lyric about like, every time you reach one, you just make another goal that doesn't lead to freedom. And it's like, so yeah, like, sure. You, you lived your dream. You, you got there, but like, you know, that's all it is a dream. And it's like, if you aren't finding that happiness and fulfillment, like, you know, in other avenues as well, like that dream can be snatched away from you. And that paranoia of like, you know, Oh my God, if I fuck this up, it's done. Like that, that just cuts you even more on the cycle. Yeah. And a, I'm a huge fan of NF as well, so oh, the best. Know, we got that going together. Uh, but you have great taste. But, you have great taste. Yeah, I, I, I try. I try. <laughs> um, I I noticed the Deftones uh, flag back there on the wall too. So A oh, yeah. there. <laughs> uh, it's where never came from. I think you know. With the, I I want your insight on this too. You know, you're younger than me, but being a little deeper in the music industry on the artist side obviously than i am uh the music industry is a fucking negative black hole a lot of times you know the the amount of rejection that you face and the criticism from from listeners you know i won't even say fans but you know listeners in general like that all compounds as well and then to your point earlier about like this almost entitled feeling when a fan goes oh, I used to love them so much. Like, then why didn't you fucking show it? You know, like, where was that at? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I have a very interesting perspective on criticism. So uh, I've had the internet against me in the past uh, for for everyone listening at home. Um, I, I wrote a 21 Pilots jukebox musical. That's actually how my career started. I, uh, long story short, I released a trailer for it. It went very, very viral and, um, I split the band's fan base in two. Half of them thought I was brilliant. Half of them were sending me death threats. I wish I was kidding. Like literally like these 15 year olds were like passionate about this. But um, that like receiving that negative criticism and that hate bothered me a lot less than being ignored. And like I think being ignored is truly like, that's the thing I can't stand the most. Like when you just throw things out in the void and then like you get, you hear nothing back. You hear like, it's like, oh, this isn't even worth my time to say I dislike it. Like that right. fucks with me a lot more than like someone saying, oh, I hate this. Cause I can be, you can justify hate. You can be, you can look at their profile then and be like, like I had a friend of mine, she made a TikTok, uh, someone was roasting one of her songs. So she just made a TikTok duetting one of his raps and it was like horrendous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like it, that's some petty shit, obviously, but like you can like, you can justify it. Like, I remember I had this one person, uh, she had like four Instagram accounts that she was like gunning for me on, like using each of them to like tag Warner Chapel and like all of like my 21 pilots, like musical stuff. And I just remember like doing a deep dive. I know like everything there is to know about that girl at this point. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, I, I can justify it. It's like, you you live a sad life and I can I can tell every reason you do. But when you're just ignored, that's, there's no reason I'm a logical person. Like it's like, wow. Then the only explanation is it has to be me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get that. Uh, so I battle depression and I say it's because I'm too logical because I'm in that same boat as you. Like I'm a classic overthinker when I send something out to someone, a text or whatever, and it's just fucking crickets. I'm like, Oh, like what did, what did I do wrong? Did I, yeah. 
did I not word that the right way? What, you know, like start compounding it on myself. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. I'm like being ignored versus at least hearing that, no, this isn't something I like. Okay. I can deal with this. Isn't something you like, but to not hear anything is, is definitely, I, I understand where you're coming from on like, it compounds this. Was it good enough? Was I not good enough? Where, yeah. you know, was it just bad timing? Who knows? And like, you know, I do want to talk about the 21 Pilots uh, musical a little bit. Like, we don't have to get super into it. But, you know, it, it kind of, I think this ties into that. Like, was it just bad timing? Was it, you know, could it have been well received if if it was approached a different way? Who knows at that moment? You know, I, I've looked back on that experience a lot. And I, I got to preface, like, I have really no regrets with how it happens because, like, it literally started my career. Like I built my fan base from the, the ashes of blurry face, the musical. Cause like I, uh, when it, when the project got shut down, I actually was able to, I mean, I, I told people like, Hey, I'm also a musician. I'm about to release my first single now in like three weeks. Like I hope you stick around. And a lot of them did. Yeah. Which was super cool. And so I really don't regret that, but, um, looking back, I really should have, focused on Twitter more. Um, I've never used Twitter. I stay off it because I don't want to yeah. kill myself. <laughs> it just <laughs> does it straight up. It's like the worst yeah, cesspool of the internet. I mean, next to like is. 4chan. And uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> like, it's a place for negativity. And I, I don't think I expected where most of their community was going to be and how each social media has like a different culture. Like Instagram was extremely positive. Twitter was extremely negative. And it was just really uh, interesting watching that because I, I didn't actually premiere the the trailer on Twitter. A disgruntled fan did. And since it started out from a negative context, that all spiraled it out of control. Right. Had I been the one to post it, it might have gone differently. Yeah. But who knows? I mean, I, I think it would have been controversial no matter what. Like, I mean, I, like, in the trailer for the the thing, I, I did uh, allude to a suicide attempt. And, I mean, a lot of people were like, this is triggering, what the fuck? And I, I, I really hadn't considered that, if I'm being honest. Because I was, like, again, I was all about authenticity. And, like, hey, this is, like, this is my story. This is, like, a real thing. Right. And I, I really didn't look at it from that perspective. And especially knowing the fan base, because their fans are extremely protective of 21 pilots and Tyler Joseph in particular, like yeah. I, Josh Dunn literally liked the trailer and then a subsection of the fan base is like, Oh, well fuck Josh. He doesn't even matter. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, that's wild. Yeah. Like you, you guys understand he is half of the band, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I know it, it got into like, people thought I was like trying to monetize like Tyler Joseph's mental health issues. They really thought that like, he was my main character. And I was like, guys, this is, I just used their music to tell my own story. This is about like a friend of mine's suicide. This is not about like, you know, it, it just fits all the themes of this band perfectly. And that's why I wanted to do it under that lens. And also just because I love the music and I think it would be perfect for Broadway. I still do, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. It's not going to happen. Well, you never know. It, it probably... And I don't mean this in a negative way.
feel like if it happens, they're going to do it on their own and do, you know, whatever they want to do with it. Yes. And I very much, I'm really excited because like over, over quarantine 2020, I actually wrote another musical and like, I actually wrote all the music this time around, for example. And like, it's, I'm excited to one day pursue that dream as well. One, I can be in complete control of it. Yeah. But, but also that, that whole experience, it really taught me like, Hey, if you haven't earned something, don't try to leverage it. Cause I did not earn that 21 pilots fan base, obviously. Right. Like, right. I, and that was really like, a, okay, cool. Like I tried to do that in the most authentic way I could, but like when building Minerva up, like you, I gotta like do this the right way. I gotta touch people's emotions. I really gotta like, you know, make it so that I make a fan at every show and really approach building a fan base the same way 21 pilots did and not trying to take like the easy way out. Not that I meant to be doing that, but that was definitely how it was interpreted. So it was a, it was a very good lesson. I really don't regret it. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, like you said, it, it's a lesson and now you know like and not just you. I think obviously other people can learn from that that it's okay. How do I say? I I really don't mean this negative. So if it comes across that way, that's not how I mean it. I but, guarantee like, you're fine. <laughs> okay. Um like it's it's okay to be a fan and to want to do things because an artist inspired you, but, and I don't think this was your intent, but it's not okay to say, I'm creating this thing because I love this person and you guys should love me because I love that. Yeah. It's, it's a, like an appropriation type thing where like, because I made this thing that's about these people that you love automatically, you have to love this thing. And it's like, mm, but, but I don't, you know, Yeah, it's not how the world works, unfortunately. Um, and like I said, I don't think that was your intent by any means. I think your intent was, Hey, this music and this story would go really well together. I've got something cool. Let's fucking do it. And then it just didn't get to pan out the way you wanted. I know a very big thing for me with the whole thing was like 21 pilots was definitely a household name, but they weren't like, there were, there were a lot of communities who like still don't realize how big that band is and how like how important they are and that they're not just stressed out. And so I know for me, it was like, Hey, if I can bring this band to another audience, like how cool would that be? Cause like they saved my life. Like I would love to like, you know, do that for them. And actually the way financially with that whole situation, they would have made like two thirds of my profits. So it's like, I, I mean, I, it was really, it was a labor of love and a passion project. Cause I wasn't doing it as a way to like, I wouldn't have been making crazy bank off it on top of it all because like the way it works is like say a broadway ticket's like 100 bucks for example like in right. yeah yeah fat chance they're so much more than that but like just for the sake of math so um the way it works is the writer the writers get eight eight dollars of that like eight percent uh but then you split that three ways the lyric writer the book writer and then the music writer so 21 pilots would have been two-thirds of that i would have only yeah. gotten like a third of it a third of eight dollars whatever that is in that hypothetical and so it's like people are always, we're trying to make all this like greedy money launder, like kind of shit with me. And I was like, guys, you don't understand how this works. I'm doing this because I love this band. Right. But, you know, honestly, that's the way the music industry is right now too, right? Like you said, yeah. you're, you're on the precipice of making money and it being more financially uh, feasible. But like really, 
I think a lot of people assume, you know, once you start getting a, a good amount of streams on Spotify or, you know, the TikTok blows up or whatever, like, oh, they're, they've made it. Like, yeah, I, I got news for you, especially when it comes to Spotify. I love Spotify. Don't get me wrong. My podcast is on there, so I'm not talking shit about them. But like, people don't know the math that is in the back end of streaming. Yeah. Just because you hit a million streams does not mean you're suddenly a millionaire or anything like that. If anything, it's it far means, from it. <laughs> it means cool. You got a nice four thousand dollar payday for one month, and now now you have nothing. <laughs> yeah, and you know, same with like TikTok. Great, you had a video blow up, but until that's a continual thing, yeah, you're not making money on it. You know, it's not worth. I, it, it's worth doing it if you enjoy doing it, but it's not like a, hey, you know, this video got a million views or two million views, whatever, and all my other ones do like a hundred, hundred and fifty views. Yeah, you're not making shit off those other videos. Yeah. And on top of that too, it's like, cool, you haven't actually retained your fans. Like honestly, TikTok is the first social media I've ever enjoyed. Cause it's like, I feel like it's not just a popularity contest. It's like the greatest content right. rises to the top and finds a way to, and like your social standing on Instagram has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Like, like I, I know that always pissed me off with Instagram. It's like, cool. It just feels like another extension of high school. Cause like, you know, like I've always been like this, this geek and like, you know, not the cool person. And that's always been my identity. And that's something that Instagram has perpetuated because it's like, all right, well, look at me. I can quantify love. I get this many likes. This person gets this many likes. They're more loves than me. And that's bullshit. Right. But it's so easy as a logical person. It's so easy to do that. And on TikTok, it's a lot more like, okay, cool. Like, Real people that I don't know are engaging with it and they don't want anything in return. They're just like, yo, man, this is sick. Or yo, man, fuck this. I hate this. But both work. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked about that before. Um, the difference between like, especially Instagram, the difference between just double tapping a picture and giving me a like and commenting on my photo. Yeah. I would much rather get comments and you engage and we can have a little chat in the, th the comment thread or whatever. But like from an algorithm standpoint, it matters too. Like likes are not weighted as much as comments and things like that. Yeah. But I think, I think with Instagram to your point, it's so easy to just kind of scroll through and just double tap your thumb a couple times as you're scrolling through. Whereas TikTok, you know, like, I have your attention for however long my video is one to three minutes and some people are going to make it the whole way most people will probably make it the whole way but then you're going to have those people that are like hey this fucking sucks and bounce at 38 seconds or whatever like yeah but that's cool because either way you're getting real feedback versus instagram like cool i got 100 likes does that mean 100 people liked just that people like me yeah. And also Instagram is such curated content. Like with TikTok, you can yeah. do a video of you being a total fucking goblin and like, great. People <laughs> like that. And I love, I love that. Cause like, that's, that's real. And it's like, you know, uh, I, I know I need to get a lot better about posting on TikTok. Cause I, I have like my, my little series is that I, that I enjoy, but it's also like, it's like, no, I need to make this like my daily 
life in my daily routine, not just like this curated content like Instagram. And it's like, cause that's not using social media the way it's intended is so important. And I'm a hypocrite because I'm not doing it, but it's like, I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, each social media has a different purpose and a different thing that it's catered to. And there's a reason multiple exist. Right. Otherwise there'd just be one social network. And so with that knowledge, it's so important, I think, to tailor your content for that way. And I'm saying this and I haven't done, I haven't fucking done shit with that, but I need to listen to my own advice. Right. I I'm the same way though. Like I tell people all the time, especially artists, like the importance of, you know, posting consistently and making sure that, you know, you're using the right hashtags and this is in your photos or whatever. And then I look at my feed and I'm like, why don't I fucking do any of the stuff I just told them to do? Like, (laughs) I know that's how it works. And I tell people like a lady that I work with, I literally told her the other day, like, I can write you a workout plan. I know how this all works. I can get you to lose weight, whatever you want to do. I just don't do any of it myself. Like, that's not what I want to do, you know? Um, But I think is it's an interesting time that we live in with the social media. Like you were saying, like there's a reason that so many different ones exist. There's a reason that there's different types of trends, like TikTok trends versus Instagram trends are totally different. Yeah. And I think it says a lot about the society that we, <laughs> that we live in now where it, I think maybe this is me. I'm literally coming up with this thought as we speak. I think maybe what it is, is finally there's enough diversity in social media that the different sections of society, quote unquote, are able to connect with the people that they want to connect with. So like the people that love to watch videos have TikTok now. That didn't exist before. You had Vine, I guess, but it was much different format, obviously. Rest in peace. peace. (laughs) Yeah. But then, you, you know, you've got your Instagram people that I have to have a filter, everything's got to be aesthetically pleasing, you know, whatever. And then you have the absolute fucking garbage pit that is Twitter, where I just want to go on and spew hatred and whatever the fuck I want there. Okay, great. Go to it. (laughs) I just, I feel it's so fascinating to me that that is still the number one social media. If you look at it from a statistical standpoint, because I'm like, why the fuck would I ever want to engage? Like I, and I, under, I know as an artist, I need to, but like, I, that is my one line in the sand. I, I, I have no intention of engaging with Twitter. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like a lot of times when I close out the podcast episode, I tell people to follow me on like Facebook, Instagram and Spotify yeah. or wherever, but Twitter gets left out. I don't do Twitter. Yep. I do not do Twitter because it is like you said earlier, it is a fucking cesspool. 4chan and reddit may be the only two that contend with it yeah well and, and reddit has its benefits like i i'm not a big redditor i I've, I've had roommates who are in the past though so like i understand how it works and honestly actually as a musician it's a great tool right start going in like like r slash music and stuff or any other like subgenres. it's like actually as i'm thinking about it i should probably start doing that so yeah yeah let's uh, let's do that after i'm out this <laughs> Well, and I think the the difference with Reddit specifically is if you only focus, because you can focus on just the areas you want to focus on, you have a leg up. Twitter, you just get all the shit thrown at you and 
you have to sift through it and figure out where you want to go. Exactly. And I can't lie, man. I'm really excited for Instagram to die, but I think it's coming. Like I can already see like engagement across the board, not just like on my post, but like just with everybody I know going down. And it's like, again, people are just, I think people are finally over that, like Uber produced, like I have to be perfect content. And I'm, I say that as I'm about to like make a post probably tomorrow, like in that style, but it's like, you know, it's, Whenever I use Instagram, I, I try to always be authentic. Like, like tomorrow I marks my uh, year of sobriety officially. And so like, you know, I, I plan on posting about that, but it's like, yeah. it's not going to be the one year sober. I'm so cool. It's going to be like one year sober. I didn't think I could do this. You can too. Right. That's super awesome, man. I'm, I'm super proud of you for that. Like, thank it, you. Anyone that's not went through addiction and I'm lucky enough that I've never been in that boat. But yeah, it sucks. I've, you know, I've had friends, family, you know, that have that have been deep in those waters, and like to see someone pull themselves out of it is, it's an incredible thing. So, a plus to you, dude. Thank you. The, uh, it has been an interesting year. Let's just say that. Uh, I, I find I don't crave it as much as I thought I would. Uh, it's I know myself though. If I have one drink, I will go till I black out. So that's why I don't have one drink anymore. Yeah. But you know, that's what you have to learn. Right. And I think, I think we can tie that into just about anything though, like regardless of, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever life in general, like I love candy. If I eat one M&M, I'm going to eat the fucking bag of M&Ms. Could not agree more. (laughs) So like, there's like that, that, you know, I, I think it's cool that you figured that out that it's not even a, I can do this in moderation. It's a, I have to stop doing this or I'll, I'll die. I just got really tired of having to explain myself and like apologize the next morning for things. Like the incident that made me stop, it wasn't even like a big deal. It was just like the last straw where I was like, I have been doing this for like five years. And it's like, I'm, I'm not, a good drunk person like i'm not good at this like i am a liability i don't like feeling like a liability i don't feel like i'm out of control and that i can't that i am ashamed of my actions i don't like that feeling and i was just like yeah, yeah fuck this i and it becomes such a crutch during the pandemic like i mean i was drunk like for half the pandemic I, I, we all were but like it, it was it was the kind of thing where i i didn't realize how bad it had gotten until it got there because like i my worst drinking was when i was like 19 and depressed and suicidal by far but like yeah, uh, yeah it, it it turned its ugly head in 2020 and i was like oh crap am i back i thought i got over this and i was like oh yikes i need to i need to not right right and i think you know hopefully people will listen to this and and hear that and maybe evaluate their lives too like I, like I said, I personally have never been down that road. I don't, you know, don't struggle with it. I've, I'll be honest, I'm 36 years old. I've never drank in my life. Um, That's awesome. My brother, yeah, my brother was an alcoholic when, when I was growing up and just seeing that I was like, I don't, I don't want a part of that, you know? Um, But, you know, I think hopefully people will hear your story and go, ah, maybe I need to really evaluate, you know, I, I've had to apologize the next morning or whatever. And maybe I need to evaluate how far I can go. The, uh, 
I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and there's uh, mm-hmm. this one quote that I love. It's uh, it, it it's not a terrible thing to fall. It's far more terrible to admit it. Yeah. Or or the quote is like something like, it, "Oh, it's such a quiet thing to fall, but far more terrible to admit it." That's what it is. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I felt like that's where I kind of got with drinking, where it was like I didn't realize. It wasn't like it was like, oh, I went from like, oh, yeah, I'm like enjoying like uh, you know rum and coke every once in a while to like, oh, I'm binge drinking. It was like a, it was just like a, oh yeah, let's just keep. Oh, oh, I need a little more to like you know feel something. Okay, well, let's just keep going. Before I knew it, I was like, not remembering like half of 2020, and I was like, that's not good. Yeah, no. Well, and especially you know, at I'm gonna play the youth card for you because you are younger than me. At, at your age, you know, like there's so much life ahead of you. Like why take out those sections of your life where yeah. I got shit faced, blackout drunk for six months. I don't remember half this year. Like what else could you have done? You know? And yeah. even aside from that, what I don't think some people really take into consideration either is how fucking expensive is it to have that kind of an addiction problem? Sucks. You know, like you said, it takes more and more and especially you know, Nashville, living in DC, things like that. Like those are big cities. Those drinks are not cheap. Like no. that shit, <laughs> that shit, that bar tabs uh, getting up there. <laughs> well, well, that was the worst part too. I'd be doing it at home. It wasn't like I was like going oh, out the yeah. bars. Like, I'd just be drinking alone, like constantly. And it was like, I mean, it, it just turned into a like de-stressor that slowly devolved from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, again, I'm just speaking from the outside, but that can honestly be much more dangerous because, you know, you're alone. God forbid something accidentally happens, but, you know, alone with your thoughts, especially if someone struggles with mental health issues and then compounds it with drinking. Like, like you said, you were suicidal in your car drinking at 19 years old. Like yeah, that could take a very bad turn very quickly. Very much. And uh, yeah, I, I've gone sober, like, three times in my life and this is the only one that's ever taken so i'm i'm i think it's gonna last i really don't think that i'm gonna go back on it and like people always are like oh yeah but you're like gonna drink eventually right like in in moderation i'm like no that's not how that works yeah no no it's you know i i say the same thing about like so like i said earlier i i battled depression i tell people all the time like forever i will battle depression in some fashion yeah you know and addiction's the same way like i'm not just gonna wake up one day and be like oh life's perfect and i don't have to worry about anything ever again yeah even even if i win the lottery which you know like obviously would solve a lot of problems but it's great <laughs> right <laughs> but you know there's there's always going to be that in the back of the the mind and i think what i want to you know circle back to your music on is the the accomplishment of you know living through these things to your point earlier you know living through these tragedies to create this art that now you're able to look back on and go hmm i was in kind of a shitty place but it's so much better now and i'm i'm glad i went through those things yeah i wouldn't be who i was who i am now without any of those situations and like and that's why i don't regret much like there are definitely some things I wish I could have done differently when it came to like my college years, but like, I really love my life right now. It's quite comfortable. I'm not satisfied yet, but it's very much like, 
okay, cool. Like this is, if this is what it means to grind and be on the come up, then like, I'm going to enjoy this as long as I can, because this is, this is worth my time. And I'm going to regret this so much if I don't put all of myself into this. And whether it's financially or time-wise or like, you know, it, if I have the what if question, I'm never going to forgive myself. And then I'm just going to live this hollow life. And so because of that, like, Hey, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I have, I definitely have my time limits that I've set for myself just to be realistic, but I'm also like, I'm going to give it all I got. Cause if I don't, then I'm never going to be happy. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, it reminded me when you said this, you know, this is the come up portion. Um, Macklemore just dropped a new song called next year is going to be my year. Oh, okay. And he's, he talks about that. He says, you know, like he, he had to come up and he got comfortable basically is what he says in the song and things fell apart. The world fucking fell apart. Yeah. I, I think the line that he used is uh, it was like God text everyone and broke up with us. Like, Hey, sorry, but everybody's fucked now. Right. Yeah. And he says, you know, like next year's going to be my year. And I think that's kind of where you're at with this, this mentality that I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep driving forward because I know what I want. I just have to spend the time to get there. Yeah. It's very much a, uh, I know what I want and now I need to figure out how do I get it and what, yeah. what is the best way to use my time and the best way to try and get talk too much heard, get like Minerva out there. Cause like I, I see at the live shows, the effect it has on people. Like, uh, again, do not mean to be arrogant at all when I say this. I put on a very good show. And like, cause again, I've been studying like the 21 Pilots, the Lincoln Parks, like right. all these, like the Queens, all these like incredible performers. And like, you know, that's such a important thing to me is connecting with audiences. And I know that all of them are buying merch. They're all like, you know, getting, singing the songs back to me. And it's real, and not just cause they're my friends. Like I remember la the last show I had, I had, a lot of friends bring like dates with them and the dates are even bigger like fans than the friends by the end of the show. And that really is telling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that goes to hopefully, you know, Hello numbers and things like that come and go but if your live show is that's how you did i walk up for a minute oh uh, you did yes <laughs> okay okay uh so no i said uh what i hope you know people especially in artistry bands and whatnot understand from what you're saying is that you know Spotify numbers kind of come and go. So don't yeah. necessarily use that as the measure of success. Seeing the fans at live shows and then the same venue again, it's the same people, but they've brought people and those people are singing back. And then the next time it just, that audience is going to grow and grow and, you know, continue to support you in that fashion. That's where you know that you're actually making an impact. And the more people that sing back your songs, especially like for you, where they're, so rooted in mental health and these growth opportunities and things like that it's 
it's very, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like it's very satisfying to know that this piece of my heart that I put out there for everyone, they relate to and they see themselves in that. It's my way of being like, I can maybe leave this world better than I found it in even just yeah. this small way. Like um, there's this one girl that was at my last show. Um, I did not know her. She was like a, uh, uh, it was like a friend of a friend of a friend or something like that. And I mean, yeah, by the end of it, like, I mean, she followed me on Instagram. She was like, I mean, by the end of songs, she'd start singing along. It wasn't, and I knew she had never heard these things before. And I was just like, right. that's wild. And like, you know, we've now talked since then. And she's like, no, no. And it's not like she wants to be my friend. It's like, she wants to be my fan. And that's a really interesting relationship. And, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm really not used to it if I'm being honest. And it's, but it's like, cool. Like those first fans that you have, like those are the ones you remember and the ones that like, you know, convince you to keep going. I have this slogan, uh, uh, do it for Zach Peters. Uh, Zach is like, uh, this one fan that I have, uh, from, uh, he's basically, he came into the fold whenever I did, uh, whenever I released blurry face and he has liked every Instagram photo commented every TikTok. I mean, he's like dedicated and he loves my music and it's so cool. Cause like we've had conversations too, and he's just such a nice guy on top of it all. And like, there's, yeah. he doesn't want anything. He, he just truly is like, I love what you're doing. And I'm like, I can't wait to meet this kid one day. Right. Yeah. Cause he's the um, reason I keep doing this. Whenever I doubt myself, I literally have on a shirt, do it for Zach Peters. Nice. Uh, I think that's a perfect segue into kind of the, the transition to the end of the episode here. Uh, knowing that and you know obviously wanting to get out and meet more fans and things like that as the world begins to open up and you know live music is finally coming back and in somewhat of a normal fashion what's kind of your your vision for the end of 2021 but also like your your goal set if you will for 2022 when it comes to touring and things like that Definitely my my goal for the rest of this year. We got like what, like seven weeks left, something like that. So something like that, yeah. Christmas season gets really slow in music, is what I've always found. Like, it's really not the time to release music. It's really not the time to like uh, to try and promote heavy because everyone's like listening to Christmas music and they're like, yeah, 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 great, great, whatever. But uh, so my my goal for the rest of the year is um I, I got two of them uh really feel like I'm becoming a part, become a part of the Nashville music scene. Like it really, I've been here for years, but I've been so hermited in my music cave and just in my own personal bubble that I really feel like I don't know a lot of people here still. So really getting to network in that way is a huge thing for me. I say, as I spent all day inside doing music work, but you know what? Hey, one day at a time, I'm going to, I'm going to a big show tomorrow. That I'm excited about, uh, but so that that's a big one for me uh that and also from the creative side uh uh what i have in store next for talk too much is i'm actually releasing a music video a month for my uh for all the singles off the record so and the cool thing is all the videos are going to be connected and tell this cohesive story awesome so uh yeah quarter life crisis will come out uh november 19th and yeah from there talk too much will come out December. not you will come out in uh january and then looking like uh uh, the interview will come out in February to finish out the series. I got to finish recording that one. All the other ones, they're, uh, they're all filmed and everything. So yeah, I'm just getting ready to 
drop everything. Awesome. Um, so let's say perfect world, 2022, the world opens up. If you could make a three band tour card, who would Ooh. you want to go out on tour with? Obviously 21 pirate pilot. Let's, let's bring it back a little bit, I guess, and do semi-realistic. That would, if I ended up opening for 21 pilots, uh, First off, if I didn't get recognized, I would be so pissed off. <laughs> but second off, like that would be a really wild experience because like I, I would thank them for all that they've done for me as an artist, but also just for, I mean, without them and their music, I would not be doing Minerva. Like that's such a big part of the ethos of who I am. And on top of it, like literally my career couldn't have started without them. I would still be so many steps back without blurry face the musical so that's a huge thing but um more realistic uh 0936 that's uh that, that's been a, a big big uh artist that I've, I've loved recently he's also doing the rap rock thing uh he's a little heavier than i get but like uh yeah i would love love to go on tour with him uh my my manager actually has dm'd him and had conversations with him at this point not about me but just uh Right. In general. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping we can leverage that sometime soon. Cause like, Oh God, that would be the dream. And also it would be perfect. Our, our music would go together really well. Um, I think opening up for Jairus Johnson would be really cool. Like the TikTok star. Like, I feel like our music would also go together really well. Uh, and Oh God, another, another one. Another reach for me would be, would be Papa Roach, especially as they keep getting more, into the rap rock sound again. Like, I think that that would, I would fit really well in a lineup with, with either of those three groups. Yeah. I think I would say that's mostly realistic. You know, like I said, 21 pilots to your point from earlier, like they're such a household name now. And, and like, I think, I don't think out of the realm of possibility. I just think that it's, I guess from my perspective, is it a help or harm type of situation? Like, the fans that remember that, oh, that's the guy that, that did Blurry Face. Like, yeah, are they supporting him now, or like, <laughs> do they do they approve? Like, you know what I mean. Like, you're going to get a lot of iffy uh, comments on that. But other than that, no, I think that's a, a really cool lineup and and potential lineup. So hopefully that happens. But yeah, zero uh, in particular, I really want to work that angle, and that would be that would be a dream come true. Like that, that one would be a realistic dream come true. And if I achieve that in 2022, I will have exceeded all my expectations of what I thought I could do. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's obviously what we, we hope for, right? Is that yeah. we set these goals and then just obliterate the glass ceiling that we set for ourselves. Um, that's pretty much everything I've got for you. I'm obviously going to call of your social medias, but we've talked about social media a lot as well. Where can fans find you online and what can they kind of expect from an interaction standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. So um, you can find me guys on uh, Minerva underscore uh, official, but it's going to be no I. So M N E R V A uh, Minerva. Yes. Uh, so you can find that uh, my Instagram and my TikTok are both Minerva official. You'll find all the usual artist bullshits, fun stuff on, uh, on Instagram. That will be where I'm like announcing shows and everything on TikTok. You'll see me, leaking things from the musical I'm writing, uh, doing TikTok mashups and also just promoting 
uh, promoting my talk too much material. Uh, about to say, got a lot of music videos on the horizon coming up starting in uh, later this month, November 19th, Quarter Life Crisis video comes out. Uh, it's produced by Record One. Uh, we go way back and yeah, they are an incredible media production company out of Nashville. And yeah, I'm just really excited to keep focusing on my personal life in the next like six weeks, honestly. Like I got, I got a lot of big transitions coming next year. Like good transitions, just yeah. scary ones. And I, I, I'm, I'm very much ready to take them on. Yeah, awesome, man. Uh, I'm excited for you. I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, the 2022 year, you're in Nashville. I'm about an hour north of Indianapolis. So it's hey. not that far of a drive one way or the other. Yeah, we'll, we'll end up meeting up somewhere. I'm sure if you're on tour, um, I would love that, <laughs> please. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, that's everything I've got for you right now. I'll uh, keep you updated and let you know when all this goes live and everything. Um, I lost you for the lost you for the outro. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say I think you froze, but yep, nope. Uh, no, I said you know basically. Um, after the tour comment, I said, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some new listeners for you. I'll keep you posted on when this goes live and everything and whatnot. But um, definitely think I'm probably going to hit you up and see about having you over on the other podcast where we can talk a little more in depth about like the addiction recovery, mental health and stuff like that. I would love that. Yes, please. Awesome. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Uh, definitely want to stay in touch. And like I said, I'll, I'll hit you up about the uh, the mental health one for sure. Yes, please. I love that, man. Hey, so nice to meet you, Josh. And I'll see you next time. Yep. Awesome. Sounds good, man. All right. Peace, dude. Later. And that was my conversation with Minerva. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. I know I did. Um, super cool dude. Super down to earth. And... Really looking forward to staying in touch, connecting with him some more about, uh, you know, future projects especially. But um, the Musicians for Mental Health, um, you know, he's open to talking about and willing to talk about uh, some of the struggles of addiction and... um, the road to recovery and sobriety and and things like that. And I think that's going to be something that, you know, we've kind of touched on with a couple people over on that podcast, but haven't really been able to, to deep dive into. So um, looking forward to that, but that's everything I've got for you guys this week. I am on the road right now traveling, so I don't have all of my equipment. Um, so I am not going to take us out with a song because I don't have that set up with me. Uh, but you know, I would definitely encourage you guys hit the description of this podcast, go over and follow Minerva, check out all the stuff that he is working on. It's just incredible work. Um, and really that's it guys. You know, I just want you to, to do all those freebie things that I talk about all the time. Go over, like, share, follow his pages, his posts. Um, his music, same with our page posts and music, well, podcast, not really music. Um, all those likes, shares, follows, and all of that play a huge factor. So, um, yeah, remember guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other and you make the scene.